Welcome to Franchise Festival, where we go in-depth with noteworthy video game series from the last 40 years. For Season 4, we're covering Capcom's Mega Man. You can follow us on X at Franchise underscore Fest, write to us at FranchiseFestival at gmail.com, and support us at Patreon.com slash FranchiseFestival. Patrons get access to a bonus episode each month and vote on future episode topics. For this season's bonus shows, we're going to be covering spin-offs, adaptations, and spiritual successors to Capcom's 11 classic series entries. As for us, we're your hosts, Chris. And I'm Hamilton. I'm Spencer. We have a special guest with us today as well. Could you please introduce yourself and tell listeners where they can find your work online? Yes, hello everybody. Uh, I am Eddie V. I am one of the co-founders of Boss Push Media and host of Nintendo Power Block. Uh, you can find my work at bossfresh.com, where we talk all things games and entertainment, and we do reviews, and you can read my latest piece. Uh, by the time this comes out, I have an article titled, Why I Didn't Enjoy Alan Wake 2, and you may enjoy it. Those are fighting words, my friend. I was about to say. I just finished <laughs> Alan Wake 2 the other day, and it was one of my favorite games of the year. Oh, please, you must read the article then. Oh, I'm so excited to! I love all the work that uh, Boss Rush produces on uh, on the website. You you all write some really excellent articles. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I previously guested on one of your shows where we were ranking starter Pokemon. Yes, you did. Uh, we was uh, ranking the first gen of Pokemon, and that was a very great show. Yeah, that was a hoot and a half. <laughs> well, we are glad to have you with us today, Eddie, as we cover Mega Man Two. major source for the development section of this is a 2011 interview with Akira Kitamura by illustrator Hitoshi Ariga via shmuplations.com, one of the internet's best websites. I isolated a, a couple of fun nuggets from this interview here, uh, just because they won't fit into the episode proper, but in full disclosure, I wish I had read this interview before we recorded our Mega Man 1 episode, because there's a lot of great stuff in here. Uh, in any case, fun nugget number one, Cutman was Kitamura's original design for the series Hero before they shifted over to Mega Man. So we almost had a series with that horrible scissorhead robot as the main character. The second fun nugget is that the original backstory planned for Doctors Wily and Light was that they were colleagues at Harvard University who ran afoul of each other. I also referred pretty frequently to the Mega Man Complete Works book, which was published by Udon Entertainment in North America. It has a lot of great concept art and interviews with the team that shed a lot of light on how this game was made. So Mega Man 1 had been a commercial disappointment in Japan and abroad, so Capcom originally had no plans to produce a sequel. But the creator of Mega Man, Akira Kitamura, lobbied Capcom leadership for the opportunity to make a follow-up really, really hard. Uh, he was initially met with uh, refusal, but he was very passionate about refining two goals that he had had in mind for the franchise. The first was making an action game that could be beaten in about an hour, and the second was offering high replayability 
through thoughtful enemy and encounter design. And specifically, I wanted to draw attention to a peculiar bit of game design that Kitamura had for these, which was designing enemy encounters to rise in difficulty across the stage, but then taper at the end before the boss fight. So players' memories of each stage would be more positive than if they were just remembering the tedious, difficult bits. Cool idea. It reminds me a lot of uh, Eiji Aonuma's design principle for Breath of the Wild. Tokuro Fujiwara, the head of Capcom's home console division, compromised with Kitamura by letting him and his colleagues work on Mega Man 2 exclusively in their spare time, as they devoted their primary hours at Capcom to other games. With the result that the staff was working functionally 20-hour days for three months to produce this game. I guess it makes sense then why some of the design decisions feel like the developers resented the people playing it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, in fact, uh, curiously enough, I'm happy that you mentioned that. The main reason that so many of the design elements here feel a little rough at times is that there was little to no playtesting done on this game. Since they only had three months to make it, most of the ideas are first drafts, and as soon as they could get them implemented and working even approximately as planned, that was enough, and they moved on to other things. So uh, Inafune has a pretty positive opinion of Mega Man 2, but Kitamura in that 2011 interview sounded like he was pretty disappointed with the final product. He didn't think that it was refined enough. Most of the members of the Mega Man 1 development team are here, the main absences are Takashi Nishiyama, who was the producer on Mega Man 1. He was not involved in this and was in the process of leaving Capcom and moving over to SNK at this time. Uh, SNK is most famous in the West, I want to say, for Fatal Fury and King of Fighters. Manami Matsumae is credited on this game for her work on the title theme, which is just repurposed for Mega Man 1, as well as contributing a little bit to the Airman melody. But the majority of the soundtrack was actually composed by Takashi Tateishi. Surprisingly, this this game has one of the best regarded soundtracks of the era. And I would argue probably one of the best regarded video game soundtracks of all time. It's, uh, it's just amazing. But that was not originally the case. Tateishi was considered a really bad fit for the project by Kitamura. And Kitamura rejected virtually all of Tateishi's original song drafts for being too cutesy and laid back. Hmm. Uh, I think he said that they resemble the game Fantasy Zone, which I haven't played, but apparently is not very Mega Man. Yeah, it's a uh, classic kind of 8-bit game for the Sega Master System where you're flying back and forth. So if you kind of hear that music, you can probably get an idea of what he thought uh, Mega Man would be. Yeah, it's very colorful. It's very poppy. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's not exactly what we've come to know and think of as Mega Man. Yes. Because uh, the original guidance was just pictures of stages and Mega Man sent to Tateishi, and that didn't work out. So Kitamura worked really, really closely with him, providing specific guidance. He gave like a key phrase for each stage uh, that have a lot of action words in them to encourage Tateishi to come up with the, the score that he was hoping for, and he encouraged him specifically to focus on rhythm over distinctive melodies. He wanted the soundtrack of Mega Man 2 to be more rhythmic rather than melodic. And the rest is history. Tateishi's soundtrack is one for the ages. I about to say, like, this is definitely one of the best in my opinion. When I was just playing the game, sometimes I just, like, left the stage on 
Yeah. And I just so go do something. I just like listen to the music. I was like, oh, yeah. This is why I love it so much. Yeah, I've got it on vinyl. I put it on while I'm cooking. Mm-hmm. It's like Woodman's uh, stage gives you the idea of having that rhythm. You know, the... And it just it pushes you... It pushes you and raises your adrenaline to go for it with the level. And you're just like, yeah, we about to have a rocking good time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you get the feel from the music. Uh, arguably, I would say you get the feel from the music even more than the mechanics of the game. Yes. <laughs> uh, the music is really what sticks with you after you play. You know, it's interesting that you say that, because I think that's mm-hmm. honestly what pushed me through most of the game. It was yeah, it's like Sonic to me. Yeah. Like, you want to hear the next song. Exactly. Uh, one other revelation about the design team from the uh, 2011 Kitamura interview that I wanted to throw in here. Programmer Nobuyuki Matsushima, who had also programmed Mega Man 1, I want to say he's credited as HMD in the actual credits for the game because of that weird pseudonym issue we talked about last month. He actually came from an industrial background rather than traditional game development. He was the one who programmed systems for Japanese factories, the, the machinery. And that made him an especially good bug fixer. His code, compared to other programmers of the era working on games, had virtually no bugs. You know, there's the occasional quirk or glitch here and there. But it makes sense why the Mega Man games are comparatively polished uh, in terms of how they play. Uh, Certainly after that slip-slidey stuff from the first one. Uh, Matsushima is also the reason why Mega Man changes colors. Kitamura had originally planned to have Mega Man stay the same color, even when adopting boss weapons, but Matsushima convinced him to have Mega Man change colors, which is why they were thinking about calling him Rainbow Man. There were a lot of ideas omitted from Mega Man 1 due to cartridge or time restrictions that were added to Mega Man 2, though conspicuously the Oil Man Robot Master that had been planned for Mega Man 1 was not added here. The original Mega Man game had only about one megabyte of cart data to work with, so even some of the bosses in it repeated attack patterns. Uh, I was especially tickled to find out that the doppelganger from Wily's Castle reuses Alekman's behavior entirely with just a different sprite overlaid over top of it. One of these ideas recycled for Mega Man 1 is the Mecha Dragon, which had originally been planned for that game, but they couldn't figure out how to implement it. And they thought that it would be a really uh, slick way to introduce Wily's Castle as a major uptick in difficulty here. Three bonus tools were also added to mitigate the difficulty level based on player feedback from the previous game. Those are items 1, 2, and 3 for folks who have played Mega Man 2, and we'll talk about them in depth later. The other major concession to difficulty feedback was the energy tanks, which Capcom's marketing department demanded that the Mega Man team incorporate because folks were so mad about how hard Mega Man 1 was, myself included. And my one of my favorite details from this interview is that, uh, or I guess this wasn't in the interview, I think this was in the Mega Man Complete Works book. Inafune was into the idea, but Kitamura did not understand why anybody would want to be able to replenish their health with energy tanks. He thought that it was a mistake. Uh, so Kitamura, I gather, is the main guy behind just how difficult Mega Man 1 and 2 are compared to the rest of the series. It's like he didn't want this to be bought. <laughs> he seems like a real um, perfectionist. Like, it, it's clear that uh, he was... Working under him was one of the challenges for the Mega Man development team. Not, mm. not so much that they didn't want to work under him, right? Like, the staff carried over almost entirely from Mega Man 1 to 2, mm-hmm. so there was a great sense of loyalty to Kitamura, 
but he is clearly a perfectionist. He, I mean, he was number one sleeping at his office uh, constantly, just devoting as much time as he possibly could to getting Mega Man 2 as perfect as it could be within the bare three months allowed for development. He was, um, you know, he, he was a real artist. And I think in some ways that's why uh, that's why he wasn't involved with the series after this game. <laughs> One of the major differences in development here is that having created Mega Man 1 already and having developed a small but pretty serious fan base in Japan, Capcom was able to solicit Robot Master designs from fans through promotional advertisements. Uh, there, I saw a picture of one. They're like printed ads. I don't know if they were in magazines or what. But it led to the team receiving just tons of Robot Master ideas through mail. They just, you know, fans, especially like kids, would mail in ideas for Robot Masters. Uh, this was a common practice among TV shows directed at children in Japan back in the 80s. I kind of wish that we had had that here in America. I know I was always dreaming up Robot Masters and Mortal Kombat fighters and stuff. I don't know about you guys. Well, I, I think it was Mega Man. It might have been this one or Mega Man Three that in the end credits they had some Robot Masters, and this must have been like on the NES uh, days that they had mm -hmm. some Robot Masters that people did draw that they put into the game but never made it. So you was able to like wow. kind of to see their designs. Uh, if they would have made made it, and uh, they didn't credit whoever made it, but it was just like sudden designs. It's just like, oh wow, mm -hmm. that's that's cool. And then uh, once Electronic Gaming Monthly came, uh, they started posting some of those drawings uh, in their Japan section. So you got to see cool. kids' drawings from the Mega Man games. Yeah, my main inter interaction with them has been from the, I think it's the Complete Works book, or maybe some of the archival stuff on the Mega Man Legacy Collection, mm -hmm. where you see the actual pictures that people drew, and it's it's pretty neat. Sometimes the, uh, the pixel version of the character is actually really close to the drawing, and sometimes they just took the idea and broadened it out from there. Like, for me, like, it wasn't the original NES, but I used to draw and create Mavericks for Mega Man X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mega Man 2 was published by Capcom for the Famicom, the family computer, the uh, name of the NES in Japan, on Christmas Eve 1988, December 24th. And then it came to the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America the following June 1989, and then to Europe in December 1990. So the localization process for this was much longer than it was for the original Mega Man game, where the localization appeared to have taken a period of maybe two to three weeks. The localizations once again feature pretty weird cover art that I love. The European one looks like a pulp science fiction novel from the 1950s. And the American one features Mega Man holding a handgun and pointing <laughs> it at a robot master. Uh, apparently Capcom leadership thought Mega Man would be cooler with a gun. And they requested that that be included in the picture. Which is funny because that same cover box art they used on the EGM cover that was featuring Mega Man 2. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was the outside part was white, and then they had that cover on the front for that uh, to uh, preview uh, Mega Man 2. Yeah, they got a lot of mileage out of this cover. This one in the Mega Man 3 cover would be reused for a lot of different promotions and products. You've also got Dr. Light on the left, like, crouching behind, I think it's Quick Man, and pointing at Mega Man and shouting at him. I posted a picture. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, he's not <laughs> behind Quick Man. He's behind Crash Man, mm -hmm. who in this picture appears to be a middle-aged uh, <laughs> bodybuilder with a hat. 
So great. Yeah, Quickman is surprisingly accurate. I feel like he's the only one of these characters that faintly resembles what he looks like in the game. That's kind of what Crash Man looks like. He's got the yeah. drill hands. Yeah, it's yeah. it's approximate. I just I always think of these characters as being kind of paunchy, having like a gut, mm-hmm. like they do in the game. And Crash Man looks uh, way too fit, in my opinion, in this cover. Look kind of Scottish. Would you build a fat <laughs> robot. Well, that's always the question, isn't it? But I mean, the <laughs> evidence is there. We've got Mega Man. You see, when he turns around in that one image, he's got like he's got a little pa- uh, like push. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about Mega Man. He thick. <laughs> Happily, unlike Mega Man 1, Mega Man 2 was a major critical and commercial success, establishing the franchise as a big property in Capcom's library and laying the foundation for ongoing annual releases. On the other hand, the experience butting heads with Capcom executives was so frustrating for Akira Kitamura that he declined to work on Mega Man 3 and would only develop one more game for Capcom, 1989's Willow, before leaving the studio entirely. He, as far as I could tell on Moby Games, had no further game credits at all after the early 1990s. So the industry was just not a good fit for him. But mercifully, he gave us Mega Man before he left. Spencer, you want to walk us through the gameplay of Mega Man 2? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Fundamentally, very similar to Mega Man 1. Uh, Mm -hmm. 2D side-scrolling platformer shooter. Everything we said about Mega Man 1 is applicable here. Except they have removed the score counter. Hooray! Um, Might not seem like a big deal because no one cares about score in Mega Man 1, but it does impact (laughs) the reward economy. Uh, because yeah. you no longer have to worry about enemies dropping useless points, you are more likely to get uh, small health pickups or ammo refills. Mm-hmm. Additionally, you get three more utility items. If you remember in Mega Man 1, we had the Magnet Beam, which was the only real option you had for helping with traversal. Uh, but now you get three. There's a rising platform that you can place. Mm-hmm. Uh, that You can have three of these deployed at a time. You shoot them out, and they slowly rise up. There's a rocket platform, which is just... Uh, moves in a straight line across the map. You can only have one of these deployed at a time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you have the wall crawler. This is a little platform that you can attach to a wall, and it will move up and down along that wall. Yeah, Uh, items one, two, and three, respectively, is what they're called in the menu. Yep. I don't know how many wall climbers you can have deployed at a time, because I can't think of a... I never ran into a situation where I needed to have more than one out. It's just Um, one. I've tried to shoot multiple. Energy tanks are a very important addition here. Um, Mm -hmm. I know we mentioned that uh, Kitamura did not understand the appeal of the energy tanks, but I think these are crucial. Agreed. Um, Because I feel weird, like, repeating so many points already from uh, episode one, but there's a lot of overlap, uh, probably because of the quick turnaround time, right, of of this game from the first one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But the game is so punishing in terms of how much damage you take and how far it sets you back if you run out of lives, so... You know, there was a couple bosses in here where they we were both very low, 
and I was on my last life, and being able to pop an energy tank to full heal and brute force my way through the other side was what saved me from having to redo a level all over again. Same, that happened to me all the time. Yeah, yep. very welcome addition. There's eight bosses rather than six, which is worth noting, uh, but mm -hmm. it still has that same rock-paper-scissors system of rewards from one enemy being particularly effective uh, against another robot master later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a password system, which is great. Uh, you know, we I think most of us played this on the Legacy Collection, which gives you the opportunity to save state and rewind, uh, but that wasn't possible on the NES, so... Yeah, that's where I played it. Uh, I actually got a physical copy of this game a couple months back at a retro shop near me, and some hero had uh, drawn on the back of the cartridge in permanent marker <laughs> the password for getting to Wily Castle with, like, 99 lives and all wow. energy tanks. Go them. <laughs> yeah. A, a rare case where defacing a cartridge increased its value, in my opinion, rather than decreased. Exactly. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> there's a neat artistic addition with this uh, now at the end after you beat a robot master you get a little splash screen that will uh, walk you through what items you unlocked by beating them mm -hmm. uh, kind of neat um, the eight weapons we have with the quick boomerang I did quick man last so I didn't really use this much but this uh, fires very rapidly right does this does this deviate from the three projectile the time rule I don't know. It's a pretty tight... Um, it doesn't go very far. It goes maybe two Mega Man lengths out from you. So they circle back to you, I feel like, before more than three would ever be on screen. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the air shooter, this shoots out three little tornadoes that move in a... Uh, it's like an upward arc. They move forward a little bit and then curve mm -hmm. upward. Very useful because they sort of... there's It's three projectiles that spread out a little bit as they move. So because it gets wide as it wider as it arcs and because it moves at an angle you can't normally reach this is really really helpful for hitting some weirdly placed enemies uh, although there are a lot of enemies that are immune to this uh it just bounces True. off of them and doesn't hurt them which is yeah, a, a little plink noise yeah but you know as in Mega Man 1 a very common trick that this throws at you is to position enemies in a place uh sort of on a diagonal that you can't hit with your base weapon so this is a really important tool for dealing with those effectively mm-hmm Bubble lead is helpful because, you know, again, there's enemies that are designed to be close enough to the ground that you can't hit them with your base weapon, and this will roll kind of along the ground. So it's just another tool for hitting things that you can't otherwise reach. Mm -hmm. Metal Blade, I don't remember if that does anything special. I just know it seems to do a lot of damage to a lot of the bosses, so it's a very useful boss-killing weapon. I mean, it also goes in all directions, which makes it so good. It was a way to shoot diagonal upwards, like give you more direction. So it was kind of, I mm -hmm. think it was supposed to be an eight-way direct, I think it's an eight-way direction uh, mm -hmm. usage yeah. of that weapon. And I told Chris that just like, and because it's so cheap, it's very cheap, mm -hmm. um, I just substituted for the Mega Buster, honestly. Yeah. Crash Bomber, I think, is actually really good. I hated it at first until I figured out the trick to it. Huh. Hmm. So... This shoots a projectile out that will lodge into a wall, and then it sits there and then explodes after a delay. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. This was really good against Quick Man, and I think some other bosses too, because a lot of the boss patterns, they will move back and forth across the room. Mm -hmm. So if you shoot this into the wall, then they'll run over to it, and you are free to just dodge their complicate, more complicated attack patterns uh, while you wait for this to explode. Oh, I never thought to use it that way, except mm -hmm. for on the boss that was weak to it. I think it's pretty helpful for hitting bosses. Yeah. Um, and again, it does 
a ton of damage to Quickman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Time Stopper. I got some beef with this. So this isn't... <laughs> you activate this and it stops time. The problem is you can't activate this and stop this when you want to. Once you use it, it will go until it depletes your entire uh, ammo meter. You can't mm-hmm. undo it. You can't stop it. Uh, so this is pretty strictly just a, a stage weapon. It's not helpful against bosses other than Quick Man because his health depletes when you do that. Um, actually, does that do that to other bosses? I didn't try it on no. other bosses. No, no. it doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. It's yeah. functionally only useful as a um, as, as something in Quick Man stage, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. yeah, so this is just there for stages, and mostly just Quick Man stage at that, probably. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get there, but Quick Man's got some pretty hateful stuff in there if you don't have time stopper <laughs> which is which is weird because you have to get quick man's uh energy halfway down before you can even use time stopper because time stopper yeah. won't kill him in the game right, right yeah mm-hmm. it only reduces it by half so then you're just stuck stranded unless you've reduced it to half before you use it yeah or like me who forgot that existed again and fought quick man without it but you know well, it's a pretty lame weapon <laughs> <laughs> it's not that useful Atomic fire is like the charge uh, weapon that you get here. You can charge mm-hmm. it up pretty far and shoot a bigger projectile. Mm-hmm. I never really used this because it felt like you had to charge it for so long that it seemed like it was just faster to shoot stuff with the Mega Buster. Yeah, and I think your charging gets reset if you get hit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Leaf Shield, I really liked. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I love it, actually. So, yeah, so this is neat. When you activate this, it creates a little barrier of spinning leaves around yourself that will damage enemies, and then the next input you do on the controller, uh, it shoots that shield in that direction. So mm-hmm. this is a good way to hit things directly above or below you. So I don't know how far we're going to go about it, but if you hop on some of the black platforms where some of the enemies come from, uh, if you just hit the attack button and you just let it go, it would hit them. And even if you jump you'll still be in shield. It's only when you mm-hmm. make a movement with your directional pad do you get rid of it. Trust me, I have used it a lot <laughs> to gain energy. Wow, I'm the only person who doesn't use Leaf Shield, huh? Really? In the Wily, one of the Wily castles where you have to like go through, and we'll go through more in depth, but like yeah. where the enemy spam is really bad and you have to go on the moving platforms, as yeah. long as you don't move, the Leaf Shield stays there indefinitely. So I just sat there. Huh. Yeah, Leaf Shield was one of my MVPs. I was very, once I realized how good it was, I wish I had done Woodman sooner mm-hmm. in my rotation. Because I did him like fifth or something, and I wish I had done him sooner. One thing to note about the the change in how weapons were designed for this game, from Mega Man 1 to Mega Man 2, I thought this was kind of neat, is uh, in Mega Man 1, the weapons were designed strictly as a way to exploit boss weaknesses, which is why so many of them are basically just a different colored projectile. But in Mega Man 2, they started with the utility of the weapon uh, to be fun to use. So they all work pretty differently. You know, like the air, uh, the tornado is flying up or the bubble going along the ground or there being a shield. Uh, And then they planned the bosses around the weapon so that the bosses would use the weapon in such a way that it would inspire players to use them creatively once they got them. Uh, All around a much better approach to boss and weapon design than in Mega Man 1.
let's go through the in-depth story that is Mega Man 2. Mm-hmm. I'm a little sad that it doesn't have uh, the same, like, super dramatic uh, backstory that the first one did, but, you know. <laughs> I think that's because <laughs> they actually took the time with the localization <laughs> right? on this. They didn't just give it to a person who hadn't played the game yet and tell him, I don't know, make something up about Monsteropolis. I mean... It's pretty simple. You have Mega Man, the hero that saved the world before, from Dr. Wily in the uh, mm-hmm. year of 20XX, or actually this is 2000X. Exactly. 20-aught-X. Right. Yeah. In Mega Man X, now I think it's like 20XX. You fill in the blank. Um, in response, <laughs> Dr. Wily, who after begging for his life is now back to his old tricks, has developed eight new robot masters mm-hmm. to defeat Mega Man and conquer the world. In the beginning of the, the game, you have the super iconic pan-up of a cyberpunk-looking city. I don't know if that's actually... I don't know if it has a name for the city, but I it looks know. cool. No, it's just like... It just kind of has a cyberpunk aesthetic to it in the background. Lots of neon. Yeah, and you see Mega Man standing on the rooftop, badass. Um, yeah. This game is set about a, uh, a year after the previous one, so while well, we had a good year to rebuild his castle and go forward, as per the previous game... Like we said before, there's now eight Robot Masters instead of six, but you get to decide the order. We're just going to kind of go the order that we were playing in. Yeah, I wrote the notes, so really it's the order that Chris played in. Mm-hmm. Slash the order that Chris <laughs> played in. Although, right. I'm a strong fan of starting with Me- uh, Metal Man, which is the first one here, because I love his yeah, weapon. Yeah, it's the clear answer. Yeah. Yeah. And also in this game, which I kind of appreciate a bit more, I feel like most of the stages are more fit to the robot masters so like this one is a factory full of gears yeah uh conveyor belts uh dropping crushers i don't know it makes me think of metal yeah which is interesting because the awkward thing this becomes more prominent as the franchise progresses Mm -hmm. but the issue with soliciting the robot master input from fans is that Mm -hmm. they had to start designing the stages before they knew what the robot masters were going to be so it's a small miracle that the stages match the bosses as well as they do here I know. It's like yeah. it's like they knew. They had this synergy going. Mm-hmm. Like the previous um, podcast as well, we're just going to go over noteworthy enemies. Mm-hmm. There's still going to be multiple enemies that make appearances in other levels. Right. So for this one, you have... These are charming little guys. Little dancers on mm-hmm. gears called... Uh, how do you pronounce it? Pierrobot? I say Pierrobot. Pierrobot? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't always include the actual name of the enemy in the notes. I just included a description of them. But this one, I thought the name was really funny. Yeah, like they um, they kind of drop out of the sky and they just, you know, uh, eventually they're da- so they're dancing on a gear. The gear falls down and it comes after you at whatever direction mm-hmm. that you're facing. And they just dance. You can destroy the big gear. I don't know. They don't do anything else, right? They just kind of jump off the, the blown up gear and just keep dancing. Yeah. Right. If you destroy them, the gear keeps coming at you. But if you destroy the gear, they fall down past the conveyor belt that you're on and die. Right. I think it's Pirobot, like a pun on pirouette, maybe. I think that's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's what yeah. it's supposed to uh, be a gag on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's because the enemy is dressed as a clown. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. kind of pirouetting on a top pirouette. of the gear. Yeah. Uh, Piro. Yeah. Yeah. They're one of the, the funnier uh, villains in this game. I like them. Yeah, I love those dudes. They don't turn up a lot. I think they may only be here. I think so. Um, yeah. There's also like little drills that are going up and down. They're not nearly as interesting. You can shoot them. Uh, on normal mode, I don't know if we covered this. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about the difficult versus normal mode in this game. Yeah, I'm going to cover it really quickly. Sure. 
So in this game, there's a, quote, normal and a hard mode or difficult mode. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, the difficult mode is actually the original mode that yes, was that's released true. in Japan. Mercifully, they brought it to North American audience or worldwide and discovered that I, I like so many other people, would have no shot at <laughs> that kind of level of difficulty. So they made a, quote, normal mode. In the normal mode, like, health drops and weapon drops are plentiful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just constantly dropping things, which makes it very nice. Also, bosses take more damage. Yeah, because in the normal mode, the enemies take... Uh, uh, when they get hit, they, t- they take two bars in the normal. Mm-hmm. And when you do the difficult mode, they take one, unless you actually have uh, the right weapon. They kind of... Mm-hmm. They kind of use the difficult mode as we're going to take what the ideas that we have from a regular Mega Man and make that challenging part as a difficult mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the the damage is twice as much in normal. Mm-hmm. I also did not get anywhere near as uh, as much health drops in difficult mode. Mm-hmm. Now, I love the way they do this in the sense that I enjoy you being able to make your own challenge. There's mm-hmm. There are some games where I love a good challenge, and there's some games where I just kind of want to breeze through. Or, you know, if I decide, oh, I'm ready for the next step, I have that option. So I greatly appreciate that there was that option for the uh, the international release, personally. Exactly. And you can only choose it at the beginning. You can't alternate between them as you go like you can in more modern games. But this mm-hmm. game is so short that you wouldn't really need to. There really isn't any other difference besides damage. So there's not going to be any differences in the level design or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to cover that. We're going to go through this as though you were playing either or. Right. Because it's not going to change the way you play. So moving forward, let's get to the boss of uh, of the Metal Man stage. Metal Man proper. Yeah. He's a red robot with a circular saw blade on his forehead. He throws Metal Gears at you. Not Metal Gears. Like like shuriken-looking gears at you? They're like, uh, they're like saw blades. Like saw blades, like yeah. Like a circular saw, yeah. There's a conveyor belt that's underneath you that'll shift, uh, moving you right or left. It's a little bit annoying, but it shouldn't be too bad. This boss is, in my opinion, one of the easiest bosses, no matter which difficulty you're playing. Yeah, agreed. He throws about one to three saws at you, depending on how how high he jumps. It's always going to be at the same arc, or diagonal or whatever, so you should be able to see it coming. He's weak only to his own weapon, which is interesting, but to be honest, you're going to obliterate him with the uh, Mega Buster regardless. I mean... He'll go down pretty quick. He's not hard. Yeah, apparently him being weak to his own weapon was a bid to have an Easter egg that would get the game into uh, tip magazines in Japan. Mm-hmm. Because they'd only cover games, uh, you know, they, they would devote more uh, space to games that had cool tricks and codes and stuff. Mm-hmm. The only time that it comes up is either... I don't know if there's a password that gets you access to all of the Robot Master powers at the start, or maybe a Game Genie code. Mm-hmm. But when you do the boss rush later on, you can use Metal Man's power on him to obliterate him in two hits. That's the difference between the original NES version and mm-hmm. the uh, compilation versions. On the regular NES, if you fought uh, Metal Man, you know, doing the duplicate boss fights, if mm-hmm. you hit him with one blade, he was destroyed. They changed that when they brought out the collection. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't take a saw blade to the face, so... Huh. I mean... No, yeah, that, that's a rough that's a rough go of it. You just have to yeah. eat more iron, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the next stage we're going to tackle is Bubble Man stage. 
He had a combination of underwater halls and free-floating platforms suspended against a waterfall backdrop. Um, mm-hmm. This is for anyone who has not seen Mega Man 2. This is when they started introducing uh, detail in the background. So you, you uh, in the first part when you started, you would see waterfalls uh, in there. Or like we were talking about Mega, uh, Metal Man stage, you would see gears running in the back. Um, yeah. But unlike the... Fr- uh, unlike the last game, we get floating water physics when underwater. Uh, so it affects the way that you jump and everything, or the uh, press of your jump button. Mm-hmm. You have to avoid spikes on the walls and ceilings. This drove me crazy at first. <laughs> Only because I thought about the world where we didn't have rewind, and I was just mm, yeah. constantly dying. <laughs> Yeah, if even one pixel of Mega Man touches yes! those spikes, you I are I swear dead. my yeah, pinky yeah. finger touched a spike, and he just blew up. <laughs> yeah. Mega Man is, is very <laughs> fragile. He's basically a bubble himself. <laughs> and it's not, all, it's not necessarily intuitive how much higher you're going to jump in these underwater sections, because there's nothing else like it in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's pretty inevitable, you know, for someone to die to these accidentally a couple times, and... Mm-hmm. Again, having rewind makes this a lot more palatable, but if you, again, mess up two or three times and have to start the level over from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, I imagine that's extremely frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, which it was teaching you uh, about, you know, your time jumpings because uh, there's a more dangerous level that deals with those spikes in water when you get to the body stages. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Some of the noteworthy enemies are frog. Uh, he's a stationary. He uh, splits three little frogs out that jump around you and can hurt you. Like once you mm-hmm. attack him, he breaks. Uh, crab. He falls down waterfalls and you can knock uh, off on the ledge. Uh, the thing mm-hmm. about where crab is is that, oh no, it's the shell guys. That's the shell yeah. crabs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. N- not the original name, shell guys, but the <laughs> name that I gave them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you hit their shell, their shell would disappear, and they'll still be on the ground, you know, trying to go fast to hit you. So you got to kind of be quick or time your jumps and your shots with them. got to be quick, man. Yeah, they're like uh, hermit crabs rather than the the falling crabs, which are blue crabs for our biologist listeners. (laughs) Boss uh, is, of course, Bubble Man, who floats slowly upwards and then descends while firing a spear gun out in a straight line. And you have to watch out for the spikes on the ceiling. Yeah, and it occurs to me, he shoots the bubble lead as well. I forgot to include it in the notes, but it's like Mm -hmm. he shoots a bubble lead along the ground. Yes. And then he jumps up into the air and fires the spear gun. So you've got multiple projectiles coming across the screen that you have to avoid while you shoot at him. His theme song is one of the ones that I left playing for a while. I really like it. Yeah, Bubble Man is a classic. Yeah, so the next stage is Woodman. Uh, This is set in like a forest Pretty self-explanatory, I think. Uh, it's got some nice, like, sprite work in the background for, like, lush mm-hmm. trees and things, uh, as well as an underground section. Yeah. Uh, there's an unused idea for this stage. Uh, we're using the atomic fire from Heatman would burn the background trees and make the bat enemies fly away. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is obviously predates it, but it reminds me a little bit of, uh, it made me think of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 when I learned yes. about that. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, you could do that a lot easier on uh, the 16-bit systems than you could on the NES. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of like unique platforming in this. This comes down to this stage comes down to uh, interesting enemies. I think I hate Woodman stage just right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, so at the beginning, it's pretty simple. Uh, we have these bat enemies that just fly down in an arc. You can't mm-hmm. hurt them unless they're flying. They're not Batons. a problem. Batons. Batons, they call yeah. Batons. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, there are rabbit robots that will fire, they'll hop and fire these carrot projectiles at you, which is kind of cute. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, and they can fire them at angles, so right. uh, you got to be aware of them. Mm-hmm. The things I don't like are the the frienders. They're these big dog robots, and there's this section in the middle where it's just three of them right in a row, mm-hmm. each one in a more confined space, so that right. you have less room to avoid their. Uh, they fire. They shoot fire in like a sine wave. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. In theory, I think this progression makes sense, right? The first one you can just find a safe space to stand on where the bee will always miss you, mm-hmm. uh, and you shoot the boss, and then the next one and the one after that, uh, you need to time your jumps better because you have ceilings in the way mm-hmm. um, and you have less room for it. The problem is that they just take too many bullets. Yeah, You have mm-hmm. to shoot these a ton. Even if you're using the auto fire on the Legacy Collection, uh, you're going to get hit because it's the timing's pretty tight and you have to just do it so much. And just doing one after the other after the other after the other feels like a slog even though it... Uh, probably doesn't actually take that much time i mean getting Mm -hmm. through all three screens is probably only a matter of a couple minutes but it feels a lot longer than that yeah there's these birds here they pop up throughout the game these are annoying at first till you figure out their trick Uh, (laughs) so they fly overhead and drop these eggs and if the egg hits the ground it spawns a bunch of smaller birds uh and you don't have depending on the way you went through this you might not have good uh, like area coverage weapons so mm-hmm. you're almost certainly going to get hit by some of these little birds but if you shoot the egg before it hits the ground then it's not a problem at all uh, the egg just breaks and you don't have to deal with the little dudes mm-hmm. an enemy unique to this stage i think that we don't see later at all are monkeys uh, mm-hmm. toward the end of the stage there are these bamboo platforms that when you're walking on monkeys will fall down and swing on the bottom and you just have to wait them out you have to wait for them to swing up top yeah and that's all there really is to them. I think they're just there to, like, force you to stay in place and have to deal with birds. Because they seem to come in pairs. I usually found myself waiting on a monkey to come up to the top of the platform while birds were flying at me. And I just had to deal with the eggs. Yeah, I thought that encounter design was pretty thoughtful. I liked the way that they intersected those two enemy types. So Woodman, he's basically, uh... I, mean, I don't know how else to describe him. He's just a tree trunk with legs. <laughs> <laughs> he looks... It looks like, uh... If there's ever, if you've ever gone to like a middle school play and there's like some poor kid that got stuck like playing the tree because they're bad at acting, but they wanted him to feel included. <laughs> that's what he looks like. He he looks like a kid wearing a tree costume. That's actually his yeah. uh, villain origin story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He pounds his chest when you arrive. His whole thing is that you have to dodge things coming from two directions at once. So he will do the leaf shield. He'll have leaves that swing around himself that he then projects forward toward you. And at the same time, there are leaves that will fall from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So it's all about kind of timing your jump so that you go over the relatively large projectile that he throws at you while also avoiding a leaf that's going to be falling down uh, on the Y-axis at you as well. Yeah, and those mm-hmm. leaves that fall down move left and right a little bit. They're pretty hard to dodge, I've found. Yeah. Yeah, you got, but you got to visualize kind of like a grid and time your jump so that you're in a safe point of the grid. Yeah. He's weak to atomic fire and metal blade. The thing about this atomic fire kills him quicker than uh, uh, metal man's weapon. Uh, if you charge it up, like two charges would destroy him. 
Yeah, there's no cool animation, though, like there would be in uh, Mega Man X when you use a, a weakness weapon. Like, uh, yeah. you know, in later Mega Man games, you'd expect him to be, like, burned Set up a fire. bit or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was not possible here in Mega Man 2. After that, uh, we go to Air Man. stage airman's uh realm is a series of platforms in the clouds and some of those platforms are gigantic robot heads they look a little bit like those uh, olmec heads from uh central or south america but they're floating in the air and they have these little spikes uh on the upper left and right corners of them that raise and lower which gate or provide access to them when you're jumping Uh, across the platforms so if you jump at the wrong time and you get hit by one of those you'll likely fall off and fall to your death portions of the stage are also covered up by clouds which hides platforms and enemies those uh, birds that we talked about before will fly through and drop their eggs but sometimes here uh, you won't see the bird flying you'll just see the egg drop so you kind of have to figure out the rhythm of the enemies Noteworthy enemies in Airman stage include these small floating homing heads that are released from the head platforms. These come out of their ears, more or less, fly up into the air and then float towards you, uh, which makes getting on and off the platforms even harder than it already was with those spikes that were rising and going down. Mm-hmm. There's an enemy that I called Thor. Uh, this <laughs> is a robot that sits on platforms that circle through the air and hurl lightning bolts in an arc towards you. But once you defeat them, you can commandeer their platforms, and that lets you across the bottomless pits. I have no idea what these uh, this next enemy is called, but for all the world, it looks like it looks like a little upwardly pointed cannon on the ground that fires off uh, sticks of toothpaste. <laughs> like they're kind of they're they're squishy, they're bendy, they bounce around on the ground. It's like they're boomerangs or something. I don't know. Yeah, they're ground based. Like they they I think they can hop a little bit, but they just like putter around. Uh, the big problem is that it can basically swarm the ground with these things if you don't destroy it. And then finally, one of my favorite enemies in this game are these fan robots that uh, they, they resemble Airman himself a little bit, but they're these stocky guys who have a fan in their belly and uh, they shake their arms and then the fan blows you. So you need to constantly move forward or you'll fall off the platform that you're on as you approach them. Which reminds me, they look like the enemies from Top Man stage, where they drop the tops off. Yeah, we'll learn all about Top Man uh, next time on our Mega Man 3 episode. (laughs) The boss here, Air Man, is another robot with a big fan as his torso. But um, whereas the the fan guys earlier in the stage have a, a proper head and arms and everything, Air Man appears to just be a giant fan with arms and legs. His uh, eyes are positioned just above the fan blades. He blows you backwards in his arena towards the wall and sends uh, a set of tornadoes in a specified pattern towards you. This bums me out a little bit because it feels like you should be able to avoid these if you jump carefully, but I'm convinced that some of them can't be avoided. 
because Mega Man doesn't have his slide ability yet. So when they're close enough to the ground, I think you're just doomed to be hit by them. He'll eventually jump across and reposition himself at the other side of the arena and start doing it again. So uh, as he's weak to the wood shield, the main thing that you need to do is just tank one of those tornado attacks and hit him with that wood shield as quickly as possible. Which is funny. He's he's the first one, uh, boss-wise, he's the first one you're supposed to go to uh, in the game. Really? Yeah. That that makes sense. I was commenting in Discord before you joined that I found this to be by far the easiest stage in boss. I didn't yeah. even have to use the rewind function to get through it. Like, this is the only stage that felt, like, really reasonably easy to me. No Interesting. way! I always struggle so much with Airman. Like, the stage I find pretty doable, but fighting him, if I don't have that leaf shield, uh, I get wrecked. Yeah, fighting him was tough. You're supposed to uh, let him blow you and jump up and down because he is the equivalent of Devil Man from Mega Man 1. So you're uh-huh. supposed to use those strategies to beat Airman. And once you get huh. clear of his, like, wind um, tunnels, uh, oh, cyclones, I, I mean, uh, that's right. when you start hitting him and going in. So when he jumps over you, you take the hit, but you still keep hitting him, up, and then he'll destroy himself. And then that's your first weapon you're supposed to get in the game. Okay, well, that, that makes a sense, especially, you know, given what Spencer said about how the stage is easier. And also, Airman's weapon is one of the more useful in the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason that you would get it early on. And not to brag, but it's worth noting, I played through this on the difficult uh, difficulty, so I had to hit him twice as much as normal as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how I played it, too. And I still didn't think he was that bad, because I found that there's a delay. He shoots the air out and then it will stop so you can see the pattern before he pushes it toward you so if you push forward really aggressively you can jump over uh, any that are close to the ground and get kind of on the other side of it so when you get pushed you can just shoot him for free yeah oh i just don't fight him aggressively enough i always just wait in the corner i did too i wait for the wind to i try to dodge the wind stuff all right spencer why don't you take us into crash man stage yeah so crash man um is a giant tower uh, that you ascend as the sky gets darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, falling to the bottom of the screen will often push you back to the previous areas rather than killing you, which is, Hooray. you know, I suppose we should be thankful for. <laughs> uh, some screens feature a little platform that travels around a track as floating enemies drift toward Mega Man. Right. I have a little bit of complaint with these. Mm-hmm. In theory, they're fine, and I didn't dislike them, but some the tracks will get progressively more intricate as you go, right. which makes it uh, a little more difficult to position yourself to fight the enemies that come at you. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is, though, the ladder to get to the next stage is always in the top left, I think, but the track will continue to be intricate after it gets to the point where you can get to the ladder. Uh-huh. So if you fall off of it and you have to wait for it to come back around there's a lot of waiting that's not really necessary because there will be a lot of goofy, intricate movement after it's past the point where you need to jump off at the ladder. So yep. all that's doing is making it take longer to get back to you without actually adding any sort of difficulty or interesting movement to it when you're on it because you're theoretically never... You don't need to be on the platform when it's at that point of the track, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of time-consuming. Yeah, so it seems like someone probably just, like kept drawing those goofy tracks but didn't really consider how the stage it was being put on was laid out and like you said they didn't test it Mm -hmm. so uh 
small beef with that. Maybe that's a little nitpicky, but um, my bigger complaint is there's an extended section of this where you are traveling up uh, different ladders while yeah. climbing up the tower, mm-hmm. and there will be like three or four different ladders on the screen that take you up toward the top, and some of them are dead ends. Yes. There's no way to know if you are going up the right set of ladders until maybe three or four screens later. And stuff attacks you on the ladders in a way that's very difficult to deal with. So you're almost certainly going to be taking damage while you do it. Yeah, those birds send whole flocks at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even if you are way better at this than me and you're able to navigate up those ladders without taking any damage, it's still very time-consuming. One, just because the climbing animation is not quick, and because presumably you have to devote time to... Uh, carefully dealing with the enemies that would otherwise damage you. Mm -hmm. It's just a trial and error time waster that you cannot, there's no way to mitigate that other than have just done it so many times you've memorized what ladders are the right ladders to go up. And I hate that. Yeah, and as a person who plays this game every year, I still don't have those ladders memorized. Uh, You always gotta go to the left because the other one would take you to like an energy tank or to an enemy. So when you're doing that, you're also always supposed to go to the left. With the birds being attacked, uh, you're supposed to have Woodman's wood shield. Oh, so when the birds yeah. come, they'll kill it, and then you can just throw it away and then keep going up because if you get hit, it drops you on the ladder. So that's what they yeah, expected yeah. you to do. That's what saved me. Yeah, I did this before I did Woodman, uh, and it was very difficult. I ended up using, uh, I think I used Time Stopper to get past the bird eggs at one point. Mm. Oh, yeah, that'd work too, wouldn't it? I just tank yeah. them. Uh, this just takes just forever tank. for me because I've never thought to use the shield or Time Stopper. How do you tank them? Every time I got hit, it was usually low enough on the screen that I got transitioned back to the previous one before I could regrab the ladder. Hmm, I guess it must be luck of the draw. Yeah, you just gotta keep going up, and if you just get hit, take the hit. Uh, still hold up so you can grab it and just start going because that invis that invincibility like when you flash in will help you uh will will help you get through some of the tough areas. Yeah, it's just a matter of how far up on the ladder you are when you get hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, some notable enemies on this stage though. We got tellies. These are just floating cylinders with googly eyes that slowly drift toward you. Mm-hmm. These are really dangerous they mostly show up on the the platform section right and what i noticed was sometimes there will be a mix of ones that spawn in from the left and right hand side of the screen mm-hmm. there only ever seems to be three at once so if you kill the ones like i said you're usually going up into the left toward the ladder so if you kill the ones on the left until you just have three floating around on the right hand side uh then if you stop killing them you don't have to worry about them because then they're just over on the side mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about oh that's smart and then we got prop tops. These are robots with a really wide base and propellers on their heads, and they're just one of the standard uh, like bouncing enemies. They jump up, they jump at you in a large wide arcs. My favorite part about these guys is that they pull a little uh, like cord, that cord on to their head to the like start it. on their heads. Yeah, yeah, just a real adorable animation that they didn't need to include, but which adds a lot of charm. They do become a nuisance though if you let too many of them spawn in the screen. Yeah, they're almost inescapable if you have too many of them. Mm-hmm. So the boss crash man, he's got drills for hands and a head that looks like a motorcycle helmet. He does these high jumps and shoots uh, bombs at the ground that Mm -hmm. will take damage when you touch them or if you're within their AOE when they explode after a delay. Yeah. I'm glad you wrote that down. I didn't see much of his attack pattern because Air Shooter kills him so fast Mm -hmm. uh, that I almost didn't even... I don't know if I saw a full attack pattern. If you just run straight at him and spam air shooter, even on difficult mode, he dies almost before you can do a full attack cycle. 
Yeah, I fought him with the Mega Buster, and he's really hard if you don't have Air Shooter. Interesting. So after that, we've got Flashman. Uh, so with Flashman, uh, it's a slippery crystal cave. Uh, it has branching hallways lead, that leads to bonuses like one-ups, health recovery, and energy tanks. Um, this is mostly for rep- uh, repeat play, since you usually can't see the reward until you pass the point of no return. Yeah, a lot like the ladders in Crashman's stage, eh? Yeah. Uh, it, it's so much a maze and everything. Yes, yeah. Because you have to depend on, like, okay, we're going to fall and everything. Yeah, your first pass, you just get lucky or uh, get unlucky. <laughs> yes. Um, the enemies are as crazy canyon. It looks kind of like a clock with legs that rotates a canyon on its side to fire shots in an arc at Mega Man. You got <laughs> Robot Walker Joe, uh, Sniper Joe in a giant mech walker. It fires a machine gun, which bodies with widespread. And you have to defeat the Sniper Joe after you beat in the walker. Um which makes them weak to the air shooter. These guys are so tough. It feels like they replace those Cyclops, uh, like the Cyclops guys from stages in Mega Man 1. Yeah. And instead, now we have uh, these fellows who you can't jump past. Nope. I found the only way that I could deal with them was the air shooter. But then you have a Sniper Joe to deal with. So you su- when they jump, you're supposed to run under them and keep going. Interesting. I just try to just blow them up. <laughs> Yeah, there's one section, I think it's this stage. It might be one of the Wily stages, but I think it's this stage where you have a gauntlet of, like, four of them in a row. Yep. Ugh. Real tough. Yeah. It's it's a long, uh, long horizontal level where you're supposed to be jumping on these blocks so you get your energy uh, container. Yeah, exactly. If if you landed in the right way, you're up above them, so you can just kind of skip them. But if you got if you went down the wrong passageway, you just have to mosey on through them. So, uh, with the boss, uh, it's just a stocky blue robot who appears to hold a remote control. <laughs> Is that true? I feel like, I don't know what he, I always thought it was a badge when I originally played, but I'm like, what's this guy, like a cop? Why is he, is he like holding he a, a badge cop? up? I, He's cop man. I don't know what Flashman's <laughs> up to. I have to assume it's a remote control. Well, it's it's kind of like a time, because he's freezing time, and it's like, he's kind of like punching and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, he's, like I said, he's supposed to be representing ice. In a right, sense. right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess he freezes you in a way, right? Yes. I have to shout out the Mega Man wiki here. Yeah, uh, just, ahead. just I, I need to do a little dramatic reading from the Mega Man wiki, and I don't know who wrote this or where it's from, so you know, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, but I just, this made me chuckle. About Flashman, Whilst often miserable and prone to complaining, deep down he is a benevolent leader who cares deeply for the well-being of his subordinates. He likes cameras and photography, as well as making use of his time-stopping powers to play pranks on others and to spend longer bathing. High-level nonsense. (laughs) High-level nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know where that came from. There's a lot of, like, supplementary material on these guys in the original Japanese that's just not present in the American version. Mm-hmm. So I assume that's from some ad or strategy guide or something that came out in Japan that we just didn't get. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, Gutsman um, apparently likes karaoke mm-hmm. in the original Mega Man 1, but it is certainly not on screen. So we're going to get into a Quick Man stage. Helmeted? So Quick Man stage is relatively short. Um, you're mostly descending uh, a fortress, and these laser blasts come from the side of the screen. These lasers insta-kill. And they move pretty quick. Yeah. You'll see like little uh, entrances like on the sides of the screen. You'll know where they're coming from. 
The only thing is that you just need to move very quickly. And something like this would be fairly impossible without uh, the Time Stopper. Because the Time Stopper will actually freeze the lasers in time. Right. Depending on how quick you go, um, you can get into areas where there's like a energy tanks and things like that. Yeah. But it's going to take you more time to get to those areas. So it takes very precise, you know, falls, platforming, movement, etc. You'd have to be completely mad to do this without the time stopper, Hamilton. Which is my problem. <laughs> you can't... I did. I did this without... I didn't even know you could use time stopper for this. Yeah, I do it about half the time without time stopper yep. because I just think it's fun, you know, to really, like, uh, iterate... It wouldn't work if it was a longer stage. No. It Mm-mm. needs to be as short as it is. But for listeners, uh, don't do it Don't do it my way. Do it the smart way. <laughs> the boss himself, Quick Man, like a skinny looking guy with a V boomerang on his head. Mm. He's what you think of with Quick Man. I mean, he follows his namesake. He's quick. He jumps around very quickly and he flings like three boomerangs at a time. Um, at the end of their arc, they tend to go back to this uh, opposite direction. He probably should be called Boomerang Man. But hey, you know. Mm, yeah. Once again, I forgot the Time Stopper exists, so I never froze Quick Man. If you do use it against him, uh, it depletes half his uh, half his bar of health. So you still need to find a way to do at least half a bar's worth of uh, damage. But if you do, then you could probably just just insta kill him. Just do this Time Stopper and just wait for him to die. Um, I mega bustered him because I had no idea what to do besides that. <laughs> Tough fight, huh? It, well, yeah, I, I used a health tech or two because he's mad quick, as his name suggests, and he hit me uh, an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, but it's doable. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Next up is Heat Man. Chris? So for Heat Man's stage, we have a foundry with molten lava flowing along the bottom and uh, bricks in the background. A lot of those blocks that we talked about in our Mega Man 1 episode, the ones that appear and disappear in a rhythmic sequence, appear here. Apparently they're called Yoku blocks, I found out while researching this. The toughest of the Yoku block sections here uh, can be pretty easily obviated with item 2. You can just give yourself the, the horizontally flying platform and fly over all of the lava. Because otherwise, you need to carefully time your jumps with those blocks that pop out and pop back in to not fall down into the uh, the lava flow. And the lava flow acts like spikes in this game. It's just an instant kill when you fall in it. I didn't know for a while about... I never. I didn't use the items until Wily Castle. Oh no! So I guess very tiny, mercifully, you can use your invisibility frames to fall into the lava and not die. Oh, I know. so it's funny that you should say that, because in Mega Man 1, you can't do that with spikes. Right. If you get hurt and fall into spikes, you still die instantly. Mm-hmm. But in Mega Man 2, they made it so your invincibility frames are active when you fall onto spikes, so you can sometimes exploit that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that applied to lava as well, so you can fall into the lava and still run for a minute. Yes, I found out the hard way, but mercifully, <laughs> yes, you can still fall on the lava as long as the invincibility frames are on and survive for a sec. As far as I could tell, there are no unique enemies in this stage. You just get a lot of tellies and prop tops again, like you had in uh, Crash Band's stage. The boss here, Heat Man, is just a big sentient Zippo lighter. Mm-hmm. He is one of the silliest bosses in this series. <laughs> uh, the top of the lighter pops up, and that's where his head is. Just a real, real little cutie. 
he can turn into a fireball when he's shot and travel horizontally along the ground towards you. You have to jump over him. That does a lot of damage if you get hit with it. He also, once he stops moving, fires the atomic fire projectile. It's three of these that arc out through the air above you, land, and then make a little Mega Man height pyre once it hits the ground. So you have to anticipate where they're going to land and avoid them. Heatman is extremely weak to bubble lead, so you just pop that on the ground. Uh, it stops him from using his atomic fire, and he turns into the fireball. You jump over him, turn around, do it again. Simplest thing in the world if you have the bubble lead. Interestingly, using crash bombs refills his HP, which is something that I also didn't know until I was researching this. That was a new mechanic for this game. I didn't know that certain enemies or weapons, boss fight-wise, that if you use it, they will be game a full health bar. Jeez, is there anyone besides this one? Like, I, I didn't, I don't ever remember doing that. I only read about it. This is the only one. Interesting. Okay, I wonder, they must, I wonder if they do that in later games, too. Nope, just Mega Man 2. beat the last robot master we're treated to a little cut scene where we see dr wiley uh, fly up in a little flying saucer mm -hmm. the top comes off he wiggles his eyebrows at you uh <laughs> and then he flies off to his castle yeah which is a pretty awesome design if i'm honest it's like a big skull with these weird like bone towers sticking out of it and mm -hmm. uh, like a big satellite dish and a big old w on the the skull's forehead yeah, it looks like something from a 1980s cartoon. I, I used to have a sticker of this on one of my cars. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. The level progression changes a bit here, too. Instead of having free selection of where to go next, it changes to... Uh, since we're talking about Capcom, let's say the overworld from like Ghouls and Ghosts. Um, yeah. Where, mm -hmm. yeah. That you're progressing through linearly. The first section is like fairly simple. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a remix of things we've already seen before. One of the, the notorious rooms here, though, you get a ladder going up to the bottom right-hand side of the screen, and then it's just empty space to a ladder in the top left with a big hole underneath you, and you just have to use uh, either a series of item ones to get across the floating platforms, mm -hmm. or a really well-timed uh, item two, the, the jet going across. Yeah, the only concession here to uh, how challenging it is, is that if you fall off the bottom, you don't die. You just go down to an enemy where you can recollect weapon energy if you've, uh, if you've failed too many times. Yeah. I hate this room. <laughs> it's a pain. It's, it wasn't that bad once Chris reminded me that you can deploy three of the floating platforms at a time. Because in my head, I thought you could only do one at a time, like with the, the jet board. Um, and I was really banging my head against this, not able to quite make it. Um, but once you know you, once you remember you can do three at a time, I got it on the first try. I didn't think the timing was quite as tight uh, as I was worried it would be. Oh, that makes sense. I always have a hard time. I usually fail at this three or four times before I can get past it. I inevitably make the platforms too high and bang my head on the ceiling and fall back down. 
I did that a few times. <laughs> the boss here is the Mecha Dragon. Uh, it starts out with a cool sequence where you're jumping on uh, a series of single block platforms mm -hmm. until you reach the end uh, when you've got three sort of stacked on top of each other but staggered a little bit so you can easily jump between the three of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just have to dodge the, the fire attacks and shoot the dragon in the head. Um, it's annoying because if you get hit, it's very likely to knock you off the platform, making it a one-hit kill. Mm -hmm. uh, so you want to stand on the top platform so that you have a chance to get knocked onto a lower one. I think this is a lot easier in the original game or an emulated uh, FPGA emulated version of it than it is in the Legacy Collection. Mm -hmm. Because I inevitably, that input lag for the jump yes. has me fall off of the ledges while the dragon's chasing me at least once or twice. I also died more than I feel comfortable saying because i did not know that you had to go through the entire chase sequence and get to the end uh -huh. <laughs> so i did try more than a few times to kill him as i was being chased and i was like why can't i do any damage he's so fast too it's a really <laughs> quick bit yeah i found him pretty easy too i didn't even have to use the quick boomerang just mashing the mega buster very quickly seemed to work because he do, uh, sometimes enemies will have uh, particularly bosses will have kind of like iframes after you mm -hmm. hit them yeah so you can't just shoot very quickly to uh, burn through it but i don't think the dragon has that uh, he seemed to go down about as quickly as i could put uh put blast into him mm -hmm. yeah he was just a nerve wreck challenging boss like if if you had to stay on those platforms while trying to hit him in the eyes while he is attacking you and if definitely if you played this back in the day you had the nes controller you had sweat coming from your head because <laughs> yes, you was just yeah. like so focused. Mm -hmm. If you slipped on that button and hit it at the wrong time, you were dead. Yeah, and it's checkpointed before the chase. So if you fall off the platforms while you're fighting him, you have to repeat the whole chase again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> How about Wily Castle 2, Ed? Yes, uh, Wily Castle 2, it was a bunch of tunnels with spikes and presses from Melo Man's uh, stages. A uh, uh, middle man stage. Using item number two is necessary to get to getting past the spike pits. Uh, the boss is the Pico Pico Master. He's a sentient wall blocks that float towards the middle of the screen, join together, and then fly at Mega Man. Very cool design. Yeah, yeah. This is mostly uh memorization to avoid where a block is suspected. The pattern is always the same. And destroying the blocks as quickly as possible once they join. Yeah, they fly at you pretty quick as it goes. Mm -hmm. uh, a prototype version of this fight made the floor disappear and became a deadly pit as blocks flew up out of it. Oh, God. This was cut because Mega Man 1 was criticized for being too hard, but Kinomori limited the change over 20 years later. Yeah, can you imagine this fight no. if, you, uh, if the, the floor disappeared? Because you didn't have, like, the Mega Man X, like, wall grip thing. So it's like, you nope. just have to die. Nope. He can lament that quietly. Yeah, yeah. When I read that, when I read that in that interview, that he was still lamenting 20 years later that he didn't get to include that, he, he seemed genuinely kind of perturbed about this boss fight. And all I could think was, aha, Kitamura is the reason why Mega Man 1 and 2 are so hard. Right? Like, he, he is the X Factor. He just wants to make it as miserable as possible for everyone. Well, it wasn't about making it miserable. It was about making the game longer. 
Right, because it's so short inherently. But he was I also guess. trying to make it like a one-hour game, which is very weird. It, it feels like his ideas are in tension with one another. It's like you're making it longer, but in like the worst way you could possibly think of. Yeah, he really came from an arcade background, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that was uh, that was the biggest challenge. So Alec Castle 3 is like a water-filled sewer-ish area. Yeah. It's like a giant robotic fish that jumps out from the depths. It's really, really good at hitting you and knocking you back into the pit that they came out of. You just have to be careful against precise kind of platforming that, you know, this game is definitely known for, for sure. Yeah, this is the stage that, uh, what's his name? Um, Bubble Man stage was preparing you for with the the spikes. The boss of this is the Guts Dozer, which is, I've seen a picture of this guy so much that the 38 years of my life on this planet. So this is the first time <laughs> I actually got to fight him. I think it's a cool design. I think it also really does cement the fact, as everyone says on the internet, that um, Wiley has a thing for his Gutsman. He really does. Gutsman turns up so much in this franchise. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, and and he's that yellow and black uh, kind of bodybuilder robot from Mega Man 1. Right, he means well. (laughs) He's got a good heart. And he loves to sing. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. So this is like a a massive version of him. It's a, a giant torso and a head of Gutsman, but like on top of a tank. Mm hmm. This one wasn't hard to me as much as just kind of wonky. Uh, so he shoots yeah. metals uh, from like his, I don't know, torso-ish area. Those little guys, they're the, uh, for folks who don't remember, mm-hmm. they're the little kind of construction helmet with eyes yeah. uh, that walk along. That shoot, I think, like in three, or shoot three different pellets in like three different directions at you. Right, exactly. Kind of randomly. Uh, you have to jump on the tank's flat part, but you can't get too close to Gutsman or else you'll get hit. Mm-hmm. And you have to fire into his head. Yeah. He's supposed to be weak against uh, Quick Boomerang. I I used um the metal, whatever it is, the metal saw. Yeah, metal, metal blade or whatever. Yeah, that's what I used too. Yeah. That also kills him really, really fast. Yeah. And what I meant by wonky is just like, it's kind of hard. It was hard for me to kind of time... Dodging the metals, figuring out where I could jump onto him, and then figuring out how to hit him. But like I said, wonky, but not difficult. Apparently part of the reason for that is that uh, it's uh, it's kind of a a programming trick here. Mm -hmm. Because the Guts Dozer is not a traditional animated sprite like Mega Man or the other enemies. It's partially a traditional animated sprite, but partially uh, just a drawn background element that's moving. Hmm. And so the only way to get the Guts tank to be as complicated and articulated as it was, was to do that. But the result is that it can be a little bit awkward to jump onto. Right. But like I said, it's, it shouldn't give anyone any too many headaches. Unlike no. the next freaking boss. <sighs> yeah. Which I'll give, I'll give to Chris. I'll hand it off for Wily Castle 4. Yeah, I'm going to take one for the team on this. Uh, This is one of the worst stages in the series, in my opinion. First, we have a series of hallways. It's very purple color-coded, and the hallways have invisible gaps in the floor and really low ceilings. Uh, So you can fall through those gaps and either get sucked back to earlier portions of the stage or get killed or encounter additional enemies. Uh, And then there's uh, several rooms with spiked pits and a platform on a track that goes through an obstacle course. Again, like, uh, I think it's Crash Man Stage. Mm -hmm. The problem here with the platform on the track is that unlike in Crash Man Stage, if you fall off the platform, you're dead. You fall onto those spikes, unless you happen to get that little uh, 
few moments of invincibility frames from an enemy hitting you, but most of the time the room is configured that you're not going to be able to get out and away from the spikes anyway. Mm -hmm. The boobeam trap is the boss of this stage, and I have a lot of anger towards the boobeam trap. Boy, do I. This is a room with five sentinels stuck to the, uh, the far walls. And they're hidden away behind uh, kind of a platforming gauntlet. There's like uh, sort of a maze that you have to navigate to. And these breakable walls that can be destroyed only with crash bombs. The problem is that the sentinels themselves can also only be destroyed with crash bombs. And you have a limited supply. So you functionally need to use every single crash bomb to get through this in one go. Or else you're just stuck in the room waiting to die. Because the boss can't be damaged with normal weapons. Mm-hmm. It will kill you through... Uh, the sentinels all fire off a, uh, a homing bullet at a certain interval. And mm-hmm. uh, all five of them fire towards you at once. So the fight theoretically gets easier as you go. Because you get rid of them and they can't fire the bullets at you anymore. But it uh, requires very careful planning. There is an exploit for this. You can just destroy the walls on one go with the crash bombs then get killed, collect more weapon energy, and come back, and the walls will already be gone. So that's a nice concession. I don't know if that's an intentional design concession, or a glitch based on retaining those destructible walls in console memory. But whatever the case may be, that is probably the best way to do this. There are whole diagrams of the optimal way to get through this online, which I think uh, reflects the fact that it's a hateful, hateful boss. This is where I type to... My co-host, I was like, I'm done. That's it. I, I hate this boss. This is not fun. I need to play something that's better. So it is pattern-based. And there, I, I think you only got to break down one wall. You're not supposed to break all of them down. Yeah, you can use the items to get around some of them. Mm-hmm. Wherever the floating platform is, if you use that, uh, you can use uh, the floating platforms to get to the top part on the left one and kill it without having to break the wall. Yeah, not all of the walls are essential to be broken. In in my mind, I don't have the diagram of this up. I want to say two of the walls need to be destroyed mm-hmm. because uh, two of them, I think, are two of the sentinels are gated directly behind the walls. But the rest, yeah, if you use the floating platform or the wall climbing platform or, you know, a combination of the two, you can you can get around if you're inventive. So Wally Castle 5. Oh, this level. <laughs> uh, this is the boss rush level of the Mega Man series. Uh, unlike Mega Man 1, this presents you with eight teleporters that uh, route you to specific bosses. Yeah, the first game they just had, a, it was like a level where you had to go through the bosses in a sequence, but here you get to choose the sequence and you don't have a level between them. You get an HP replenisher after each boss, so it's to your advantage to uh, alternate difficult and easy bosses. Mm-hmm. Here you can use Metal Man's power to destroy him in just a few hits. Yeah, take that, Metal Man. Heaven help you if you use Crash Bombs, Atomic Fire, or Bubble League since they're needed for the final boss gauntlet. Yeah, they are a precious commodity at this point, and there's no real way to replenish weapon energy at this point except for getting a game over and having to click continue. The boss is Wily Machine. He has two phases. In phase one, Wily's floating spaceship fires bullets directly at Mega Man. In phase two, the cockpit area breaks away to show Wily is in his little UFO. During this phase, 
Wiley fires swirling energy blasts that are tough to avoid. Mm-hmm. Phase one is weak to atomic fire, two charge two charge hits, and phase two is weak to crash bombs. Yeah, this uh, this boss is pulled almost directly from Mega Man One. They just kind of repeated him. This is the one that with uh, the gun is at the bottom, I believe. Yeah, it's like an attack helicopter almost. Yeah, it's it's like the gun is is positioned just below the cockpit towards the front of the uh, the floating machine. Yes. Yeah, I have a pretty hard time avoiding those swirling energy blasts. So, Chris, do you want to talk about Roddy's Castle 6? This is uh, a less glamorous stage than the rest. It's just a, a dripping hallway basement. Uh, the drips, though, are acid and will damage Mega Man if uh, they fall on him. So you basically just have to avoid those. There's no enemies. I don't believe there's any music. It's just you hear dripping. It's uh, theoretically atmospheric, but in practice, pretty funny. Yes, yeah, yeah, no music. Yeah. Once you get to the end, you uh, go into a pitch black room, and Wily floats up into the sky and transforms into a green alien that uh, travels around the chamber in a figure eight pattern while firing bullets at you. And those bullets hit like a truck. They're really uh, tough. He can only be damaged with the bullet lead. And because he's flying in the air, he's pretty hard to hit with it too. So the trick here is knowing his, uh, his floating trajectory, jumping up into the air, firing off a bullet lead that'll fall onto him as he's ascending while avoiding his bullets. After the fight, the aliens revealed to be a hologram projected by Wily when the lights in the room come up. And Wily falls out of his little chair where he's controlling this hologram and begs for mercy from Mega Man. Which takes us to the ending. We get this uh, fairly pretty animation of Mega Man walking on the right side of the screen. As he changes color and on the other side of the screen we see the seasons change over an image of rolling farmland. And then finally, at the end, we see Mega Man's helmet sitting in a field. So he has, uh, he's accomplished his task, and he's back to peacetime Mega Man. final impressions folks spencer what did you think about this game i came around to this like a little more than mega man one but i still disliked this Mm -hmm. um too much of this game just feels hateful in design you know from the ladders that lead to nowhere um i don't remember how much i complained about on quick man stage (laughs) but you know those beams come so quick that you know, that's trial and error because you have to enter the stage from specific, like, points on the, the scroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, bosses have a ton of health. I brought that on myself partially by doing, um, you know, the difficult mode, which is not something you have to do. Uh, but it is how it was released originally in Japan, so I felt like I needed to give it a shot. Yeah, and it doesn't change the, uh, like, the level design. So, really, many of, the, like, like, the spike traps or the lasers or stuff are just as much a problem in normal mode. Yeah, ultimately, once I... 
you know, and part of my problem too is I was starting with stages that were really hard, right? Mm-hmm. Once I went back and I did uh, like Airman and Heatman, which seemed to be disproportionately easier than the others, mm-hmm. right? That gave me some more tools to help me do the later ones. So that made it a lot better. But the fact that it is, I mean, it's non-linear, but it, the difficulty curve being laid out that way sort of forces you to progress through this in like a linear fashion, um, which, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose of one of the the cooler design choices in this, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting counterpoint to A Link Between Worlds, which we covered back in season one, where one of the criticisms of that is that there is no difficulty curve because you can go to any of the dungeons in any order. Whereas here, it's superficially the same as that, but in fact, there there clearly is a desired order that makes the game easier. Yeah, um, and then same problem as Mega Man 1. Some of the stuff in Wily's Castle is just too hard to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, we ran into that. That's not a unique problem to this, though, I guess, because I re- was thinking back to when we covered Link to the Past, Oof. which is what I thought was basically a 10 out of 10 game up until the final run through Ganon's castle, which is just unreasonably difficult relative to the rest of the game. Yeah, I agree. And whereas a lot of design choices have changed over time in the world of video games, an extremely difficult final gauntlet is still pretty standard uh, in a lot of the industry. Yeah. But anyway, what did you think of it, Hamilton? So this game, I'm going to look into a far better light than the first one, but for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. This is the birth, in my opinion, of like where Mega Man's music was supposed to be. Yeah. I heavily believe that music choices um, really influence a game to me. So as we mentioned earlier, like a game like this, you're making it, oh, what did we say, like less rhythm and more like, um, like it's supposed to like, uh, like empower you, like charge you up to play it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would have, I would have probably would have quit playing a while ago just from kind of the, the cheapness of some of the deaths and just kind of the gameplay mechanics. If I didn't have the music to kind of like, just kind of inspire me to continue going mm-hmm. because it really did pump me up. I do appreciate that in the normal mode, there's a lot more, uh, like instead of the, the score based drops, you had like more health based drops. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I was constantly just on the verge of death. So that was welcoming, but it still mm-hmm. had that kind of learning curve. Um, like, especially the stupid disappearing, reappearing blocks. I mean... <laughs> Yoku blocks, as we found Yoku out. Yoku blocks. Like, thank goodness that you have invincibility frames and you didn't die immediately in the lava. But to still have to kind of remember exactly, or not even remember, just know where they're going to appear, yeah. it's just punishing gameplay. Like, that's not... That's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it echoes the same thoughts I had before. It's just like there are games that may not be for me, but I appreciate the fact that you can get good. You know, they're making it for that reason. But this one, it's like you're supposed to die to learn. And to me, that's just not fun because it's also going to be kind of luck based anyway, because you might just miss time your jump just ever so slightly. And mm-hmm. Mega Man's going to go plummeting to his death. Yeah, that approach is pretty standard for that era, but it has not aged well, unfortunately. Yeah, so not quite for me. Also, like, I mean, I got much farther than I did than the first game, because there's not, like, yellow devil level of difficulty. But <laughs> yeah. the uh, those freaking sentinels, dude. Because yeah, if I wasn't even that hard, 
It was just a freaking trap. Yeah. I spent way more time than I think I should have just trying to diagram how to get around. Because I didn't like just, uh, try to destroy the walls. I was like, maybe I can get one bomb to destroy multiple obstacles and really make use right, of right, it. Right, right, right. I just couldn't figure it out. And I don't know, was that like 45 minutes? Far more time than I probably should have taken. <laughs> I was just like, enough. Enough. Like, throw me any kind of bone. Like, you, you threw me enough bones to have an energy tank, but nothing for weapons? And if I'm out, I'm just stuck here? Yeah. Yeah, it's still suffered from the same frustrating crap that the first one had. So I, I like it slightly more for different reasons, but the gameplay is still... I'm not, I'm not a fan. What's your what's your take on it, Chris? I like this game a lot more than both of you. <laughs> I don't regard it quite as much as the classic that I see it regarded as online. Like I like it a lot. It uh it you know it just won uh like a audience poll over at the website Nintendo Life um at the time of recording as the second best Mega Man game, including, you know, all the legends and all the X and all the Zero. Just anything with the Mega Man name attached to it, this was uh, regarded as second best by fans of the series. I couldn't disagree more, but interesting. I know, yeah, I, I can't either. <laughs> um, it is right up there for me. Mm -hmm. I, I do really like this. I think um, I think its its highs are more numerous than its lows. Mm -hmm. Its lows are very low. <laughs> like, um, the boobeam trap is a nightmare. And that one screen in Wily Castle 1, where you need to make the platforms to get over to the ladder, uh, are, are indicative of this design style for Mega Man 1 and 2 that require such a, a superhuman level of precision that they don't offer a lot of uh, anything emergent or uh, that, that you can manipulate or find a different workaround for, that sort of thing, which is in tension with the central idea of nonlinear uh, stage structure where you can choose any of the stages in any order uh, the these two games are a little bit at war with themselves in my opinion i i think that does hold them back from being classics for me that said this is so much better than mega man one like even though it, it superficially resembles mega man one uh, you aren't sliding around all the time the energy tanks provide a really nice backup that let you uh uh, get through some of those white white knuckle boss fights. The levels themselves are a lot more engaging. They're certainly more visually appealing, mm -hmm. and the boss powers are great in this. Like it, it makes sense that they started with how you would use the boss power, the utility of it, before designing the boss around it, because you can use these boss powers throughout the stages in ways that Mega Man One never really encouraged you to do. And then, of course, the soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack for this is just one of the best ever recorded, in my opinion. For sure. Just love it. Love it, love it, love it. So I would rank this game as kind of an 8 out of 10 for me. Hmm. It's uh, it's really great. I play it every year. I enjoy it. Uh, I alternate between difficult and normal mode. When I'm feeling like just blowing through this game in a sitting, I switch to normal mode. But when I want a little bit of a challenge, I turn on difficult mode. I do really like it a lot. It just... Those punishing bits are just enough to keep it from top tier status for me. What about you, Eddie? This was my Christmas game, <laughs> uh, the year that it came out. Oh, and cool. I love this game back and forth. It's probably my 
the best Mega Man out of the whole series. Mm-hmm. And because of the challenge and me learning how to get better at platforming because of this game, it made me really enjoy the series a little bit more. Yes, I agree. It is way better than one. Because mm-hmm. going through Gusman stage <laughs> with those platforms that that when it I would I would take anything in Mega Man to never to do Gusman stage ever again. We had a real disagreement among the hosts uh, last episode <laughs> on Gusman stage because um, Spencer likes them for for good reason. Those platforms uh, as like a, a thoughtful design, and I really dislike them. So selfishly, I'm happy that you agree with me. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I love fighting the dragon. The uh, the weapons that was in this game actually made sense because when you get to Mega Man 3, it's, ooh, goodness gracious, <laughs> that game. Yes, I understand uh, Wiley's Castle using the crash bombs. That level design was difficult and challenging. But I love that puzzle element that they threw in here. That you mm-hmm. gotta be like, okay, how do I solve this? How do I do? How do I use less resources and get more out of it? You it's know? a lot more and ambitious than contemporary platformers, eh? Yes, and this is kind of one of the best soundtracks of the NES era. You know, early mm-hmm. NES games like Ninja Gaiden and Mario, and even the Zelda games, just has some phenomenal soundtracks in. You mm-hmm. just just the beginning of this game where you get the do 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 and it yes. tells you the story and then it just zooms up and gets to the uh gets to the title. And just it it really motivates you to be like, okay, I understand where you guys are going. Yes, it is rock man in Japan, and you guys are trying to implement rock and roll. Yeah. It feels that way when you start playing Mega Man 2. You don't get that in Mega Man 1, but in Mega Man 2, you really get that. It's just the additions that they have with the with the 1, 2, and 3, just those titles using it was so good. Now, I do not like using them in Crash Man stage (laughs) because it takes a while getting used to it as part of it, but I thoroughly enjoyed this game and i truly love it um i will say if anyone who was in interested in playing it do play this the collection versions because you will need that rewind time it really cuts down on a lot of the frustrations mm-hmm. and everything trust me so yeah i i love this game i if i had to rate it i use my own rated it's five out of five yoshi coins <laughs> nice And that's that for our coverage of Mega Man 2. We hope you've enjoyed listening and encourage you to come back next time for Mega Man 3. In the interim, consider backing us at patreon.com slash franchise festival, where you get access to a bonus episode each month and even have the chance to vote on future episode topics. If you have any suggestions, you can also drop us a line on X using the handle at franchise underscore fest or email us at franchisefestival at gmail.com. And one more reminder, Eddie, where can listeners find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code, and you can find me at bossrush.com um, and on YouTube at bossrush media. Just type those things in and you'll find me there. Awesome. As for us, we've been your hosts, Chris. And I'm Hamilton. I'm Spencer. And I'm Ed. 
Thanks for listening, folks. Goodbye.